You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. So, quick review on where we were at two weeks ago, because I have slept several times, not as many as I wished, but several times since then. And uh, so just to do a quick review, two weeks ago, uh, we were in the first, second couple of verses of Jonah. We were up through uh, verse four of the first chapter. Um, I wish I could tell you what page number to look up Jonah in in your Bible, but chances are they're not going to match up, right? So the easy cheater way, in case you don't know, there's an index at the beginning. And just look down there and go to that page, all right? So while you're turning there, let me do a quick review. Two weeks ago, we talked about this. And, and what we were looking at as primarily in those couple of verses in Jonah is sin. Uh, what was the definition of sin? Why, why is it wrong What's the big deal about it? How we can tend to give it too much credit and think that God won't forgive us for our sin, or we don't give it enough credit and think that, well, hey, I asked Jesus into my heart once upon a time, and so I'm good, and I can just kind of do what I want. And neither answer is correct. Neither answer is correct. We've got to give it the appropriate credit. And that the definition, just a really quick review of sin, is basically this. It's anything that we do think or say that does not glorify God. And if we do, are not currently a believer in Jesus Christ, if he's not currently our Lord and Savior, it's impossible for us not to sin. And we can do good things. We can give money away. We can volunteer. We can, we can do a lot of things that look really good in the eyes of the world. But if the crux of the matter, if we are not about Glorifying God with what we do, our motives are selfish. It's, it's how I feel. It's what I'm going to get. It's how I'm going to look in front of others, a tax break, whatever it is. And it's only when Jesus actually saves us. And, it, and it, the, the thing I love about our faith compared to all the other religions of the world, it, it has two things. It has this has a relationship involved with God, okay? And it's about what He did for us. All right? There is no other belief, there is no other religion that has those two factors. Every other one is do this so you can get that. It's try to do good things so that you can get your reward. And Christ has done the good thing. He is our answer. He is our solution. And so he has already done that. So he has paved the way. And yet we're not off the hook on being responsible for our sin. It's still a big deal. See, sin is what caused the Son of God to have to go to the cross on our behalf. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. The perfect and holy Son of God had to go and pay the that price for us because we could never do it. It's not possible for us. So that's why we want to give credit 
to sin, the appropriate amount of credit to it. And to combat it, to truly repent, repenting meaning we are changing our motives, we are changing our concerns, we, are, we, are, we talked about doing an about face from sin to God, repenting, saying I'm sorry and not changing is lying. Okay? Repenting is a change. It doesn't mean it's a perfect track record, but it means there's change, there's effort, there's movement in the right direction away from the sin. And we listed three things. And again, we're not about formulas around here. But these are three key factors that, can, that need to be involved in this that we can look at and use and line up and see if we're making that difference. One is humility, giving appropriate credit to sin, accepting, owning it, confessing it to God, to somebody else if we sinned against them, if we've hurt them. It's pursuing God, so humility, pursuit, pursuit of God through prayer and study and fasting. Fasting meaning giving something up in a way of relying on God more so. God, I'm going to give up Netflix for a week because I want to focus more on you instead of being distracted by the messages of the world or whatever that might be. And then forging a new trail of holiness. And we talked about the cow fields and how those trails are forged over time. And even after the cows are long gone, those trails are still there. And we have to forge that new trail. That new trail didn't happen the first time the cow went down to the pond in a brand new field, right? It took cow after cow after cow after cow going down to that pond to forge that trail, walking that same path. And that's what we need to do in our minds. If we truly want to quit going down those same paths towards those same sins that seem to get us every single time and giving in to those temptations, we need to forge a new trail of holiness by arming ourselves with scriptures and prayer so that when those temptations come, we have the sword, the word of God, to combat against it. And I listed back, you can listen to it online, I listed several scriptures on specific areas of sins in our life that we as believers should take to heart and memorize and we have them ready to pray and meditate on when those moments of temptation come about. So this morning, we are going to look at verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6, but since again it's been a while, I'd like to read verses 1 through 4, okay? And then after verse 4, I'll ask you to join me in standing if you're able and willing, and we'll read verses 5 and 6 together, okay? Verses 1 through 4. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea, and such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. Remember, I love the word visualization there of through. God threw a great wind on the sea, kind of like throwing a weapon is what that imagery is in the original language. God, like throwing a spear. God threw that wind onto the sea because of Jonah's sin and disobedience and running from him, not doing what he asked him to do, thinking he could run from his presence. 
All right, if you would stand with me while we read verses 5 and 6. The sailors were afraid and each cried out to his God. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up! Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Amen. Father God, this morning, please speak to us through your word. God, I need you. I need you at each moment of every day, and, and, and doubly so. <laughs> when you call on me with the task of presenting your word, Lord. Lord, let me say nothing that's not from you. Let your words, God, penetrate our hearts and our minds into the marrow of our bones, Lord. We would walk away as we have sung about your love for us, that we can show up empty and broken, needing repaired, Lord, and you are there with open arms for us. We praise you and thank you, Lord, that you are a loving father, not a brutal critic. In your name, amen. So this morning, we are being introduced to some of the secondary characters in the book, the unbelieving or pagan sailors. And we don't know a whole lot of details of their background, but there's definitely some things that we can make assumptions about for them. And we look at and study the broader picture of what sailing was like and sailors were like in ancient history and during this time. And so we can, we can take this broad knowledge of what it looked like and apply it to some pretty solid assumptions of where these guys might be coming from, their perspective, worldview, and that type of thing. And that's when, when you look at Scripture, that's the, that's the beauty of it. There's layers and layers and layers and layers of it. And it's all about our willingness to jump into it and dive into it and explore it. So some of the observations that we can, we can make, I believe, safely, and again, it's not specifically said in Scripture, so... We're not going to say this is the gospel truth about who they were and how they were, but we're going to make some pretty broad assumptions here and feel like we're, pretty, we're on the right track, okay? First off, these men were probably not cowards, all right? They were probably not cowards. They sailed the seas on wooden ships looking about like this, 45 feet long. Now, I might go out on the lake on something like this, I'm not going to go out in the ocean on something like this, okay? It's made of wood. I have built many houses. I know what can happen to them when a strong wind comes through. Some of you may have felt it yesterday a little bit, and that wasn't even a strong wind. In the open sea, there's nothing blocking it. So 45 miles an hour around here felt like a lot. On the open sea, it felt more like 60 or 70 miles an hour. This is a wooden ship, can you, can you hear it creaking and groaning and cracking the wood the way it can do you? An old wood floor will crack and groan over time. Imagine what the ship with the constant movement of the sea would sound like. These guys were probably not cowards. This was a very hard, dangerous, manual labor job. It's not like they had bilge pumps like they do on seas today. It's not like they built them with multiple compartments they could shut off if it started to spring a leak so they could stay afloat over time. 
No. And it, when it cracked, it was done. It went down. And it didn't take much. And yet, scriptures tell us that these men were scared for their lives. This wasn't like a thunderstorm that they're used to that, you know, we get five a day around here sometimes in the spring. It feels like, you know, they come in and out and different things and you just go, ah, another one, whatever. It, this was a big one. God hurled the wind onto the sea. They were scared for their lives. Seaports, seaports today aren't exactly known as the nicest, friendliest, most peaceful, safest places to hang out, right? Well, probably even more so back then, right? I mean, you've got merchants from all over the world doing high stakes, high risk jobs, ongoing, and they get onto land where they're not in the middle of their job 24-7, fending off their lives, trying to earn a living, and they want to have a letdown. Well, and they're not believers, they're, so they're going to choose to let down in ways that aren't the best, right? So you can imagine there's lots of drinking, there's lots of other. We could list the sins. Paul gives us good lists that we can imagine in Galatians and several of his other books that we're supposed to stay away from that no doubt they're running to, okay? Rough men, probably not cowards, unbelievers. And they were probably from different countries, probably not all from the same seaport. It says they were each crying out to his own God. So there's a really good chance that that gives us an indication they're not from the same area or the same country. They were just looking for work. Any boat that's hiring, let me get on, right? Maybe they're running from something else. Who knows those backstories? But they were scared. They were scared, so much so to the point that they were willing to throw cargo overboard. Now, in case you don't already know this, the reason they were wanting to do this is to lighten the load of the ship, right? It would be more buoyant if it was less heavy. It's not going to be as low in the water, so the waves that were swamping the ship would have less chance of taking them down underneath it if the boat was lighter and it could ride on top of them better. Well, that sounds good to us, but think about it. They're throwing their paycheck overboard. They were hired to haul this merchandise, whatever it was, and this man, Jonah, from one point to another. And they're so scared, they're willing to throw the whole point of the trip overboard so that they can be saved. It wasn't just that paycheck that they were potentially throwing overboard. They're throwing away the reputation, right? If you're hiring somebody to haul something for you, and when they get scared, they throw it all in the sea, which is your loss, are you going to hire them again? You're going to think twice at least, right? Even if they were scared for their lives. Even if it was a storm beyond all storms that had ever been thought about or talked about or recorded, you're still going to think twice. So they're throwing away their reputation, potentially, their paycheck, their livelihood, Suddenly, they may be having to find a new job. At this point, they don't care. They're mostly worried about, am I going to live or die? Meanwhile, while all the chaos and the mayhem that's going on above deck, below deck, we've got Jonah. 
sound asleep. He's not just asleep dozing. Scripture says he's sound asleep. Now, I'm, I'm trying to imagine being at a point in my life of knowing what's hearing the strip doing what it's most likely doing, the cracking and the creaking and the groaning and the waves slapping against it and water probably coming down into the hold and the sound of the wind, the pagan sailors up above you screaming and yelling and no doubt cussing, and you're sound asleep at the bottom of this. I'm having a, I've had a hard time wrapping my head around that. At what point, what place was he at in his own heart, in his own life to be able to do that? To literally check out that much. To be sound asleep when all this is going on up above. The pagan sailors who are crying out to their gods are sacrificing their income and their reputation in hopes of not perishing. And Jonah's sawing logs down below. Two weeks ago, we talked about Jonah's downward spiral of blatant disobedience and sin. And Scripture says that he went down to Joppa. He went down into a ship. He, a ship setting to sail down to Tarshish. Tarshish being almost 2,500 miles in the complete wrong direction that God was asking him to go. And this morning, we see that Jonah takes one more step further down. Going down and falling asleep in the belly of the ship. The, the lowest part of the ship he could get and crawl into. Was he thinking he could hide from God's presence there? Was he thinking he could just go to sleep and escape it? This is a guy whose whole life had followed God and been a prophet for him and then in this crux. And we looked at all the reasons, right? You guys remember those? The the racism and the terrorism that the nation that God was asking him to go to preach to for them to repent and why he may not want to, why same reasons why we might not want to go to Al Qaeda or some other terrorist organization and ask them to repent right after nine eleven, things like that, that all those things that weigh into it. But he still disobeyed God and still sinned in that. The captain of the ship comes below deck. <laughs> you can just see this shaking him. Get up! What are you doing sound asleep? Get up! Can, can you imagine what the captain was thinking? <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> do, you, do you not even know what's going on up here? Get up! The same words God told Jonah before telling him to go to Nineveh back in verse 1. Do you wonder if Jonah, coming out of his sleepy state, was wondering if it was God standing over him saying, get up. Above deck, the sailors are sacrificing everything, income, reputation, potentially careers, to find an answer to appease the storm and escape death. Meanwhile, Jonah is trying to flee from the very presence of the answer to the storm. And to top it all off, Jonah's very disobedience is the reason and cause for this storm. This is the second time in only six verses of the book that Jonah is found disobeying God by, by ignoring the opportunity to share God's grace with unbelievers. 
The second time in only six verses. What if we were recorded in a book of the Bible? <laughs> Would I even make it six verses? Salvaggio, writing in his commentary on the prophet, says this, What a great missionary opportunity for Jonah. He had an opportunity to alleviate the fear of the sailors by sharing with them the knowledge of the true God, but instead chose to go below deck and fall asleep. Obviously, Jonah had no desire to extend God's grace to these pagan sailors. And interestingly enough, above deck, these pagan sailors are showing far more of a proper Bible-believing, God-fearing response than Jonah is. Above deck, the sailors are on high alert and aware of their surroundings. Below deck, Jonah is bowed out, checked out, and checked into sleep. Ship's belly motel, sleep on the lowest part of the ship. Above deck, the sailors are responding in prayer to the wrong gods, but still crying out. Below deck, Jonah, he's not, a, he's not praying, he's asleep. It brings to mind another situation where those who claimed to follow Christ were also asleep. The disciples in the garden, where Jesus asked them to stay alert. Be alert of what's going on. Pray. And they fell asleep. Christ said, stay alert and pray so you don't fall into temptation. And for the disciples, the temptation to run when the soldiers came to take Christ away. Running is what they did, as what Jonah is doing. Back to the sailors above deck, they were making sacrifices to God. They were willing to give up their paycheck, their livelihood, their careers, their reputations to appease the storm. Below deck, Jonah was in denial hiding in the dark recesses of the ship. The captain, an unbeliever, went down into the hold, gave Jonah the charge to get up and pray. An unbeliever asking a believer to get up and pray. Did you notice the title of our message? Jonah on how not to witness. We have the opportunity to learn something from everybody and everything. And just because somebody is a negative influence in our lives or in a leader in our government or place of work or a parent that just doesn't seem to get it and you walk away from it with wounds or whatever, there is still always something to learn. That unbelieving captain gave the very same instruction to Jonah that Christ gave to his disciples in the garden several hundred years later. Get up, stay alert, pray. When unbelievers are more faithful than we are, may it never be true of us like it was for Jonah. Have you found yourself in that place? Have you pondered on that? 
Do you know of an unbeliever whose good deeds, from the outside at least, seem to outshine yours? Jonah's specific portion in our two verses this morning is not being willing to share with the pagan sailors who felt like they were perishing the answer to the storm. And so that's where we're going to settle in on as we finish up our teaching time this morning. And so there's, there's only two different types of people in this room this morning. Okay, did you know there's less than 2% difference between all of us, male and female, different races, you name it? Less than 2%. When you look at the actual root and core DNA of the cells and the molecules and all of that stuff that God's put together, there's less than 2% difference. The true difference in the room today is this. So either believers or unbelievers. We either have a personal relationship with the Savior of the Lord who by grace has saved us not because of anything we've done or we don't. And we don't know Him yet because we haven't surrendered our life to Him or we're running from Him. But those are the two those are the two categories that we're all in in this morning. So if, if He is our Savior, if He has saved us, we have a personal relationship with Him, we have an understanding of His grace and His love for us. Why in the world would we not share that with others? If we had the cure for cancer, and our neighbor was suffering and dying from it, would we not share it with them? But yet we withhold sharing Christ from them. I think the root of this is the same root that we looked at in verse 1 of Jonah's disobedience is that we're not truly trusting God enough. The symptoms of this look like several things. I want to go over a couple of them with him. It's an inward self-focused, a below-deck worldview, if you will instead of an above-deck approach of being able to see and be alert and praying and sacrificing and willing, looking at others around us. Pride being the biggest culprit in our life, like it was in Jonah's case. Do we really want the lost and hurting sinners to know Christ? Do we really care? Are we so consumed in our own lives? Some of us will say, I don't know enough. What if I don't have the right answer? Some of us might say, I look like a fool. Who's it about anyway? Is it about us? I don't want to be offensive. Well, newsflash, the gospel's offensive. It is the most loving, best news we can share, and it's also offensive. Because Christ has said He is the only way. And it is only through Him and by Him that anyone can be saved. There are not multiple routes and multiple trails to heaven. There is one way through Jesus Christ and Him alone. 
Here's the other thing. We're, as a believer, we are all on the hook for sharing Him. And see, God created us to do good works. And Ephesians 2.10 tells us about that. We should also always be prepared. 1 Peter 3, 2 Timothy 2. Not being perfect, not being the most knowledgeable, not being the most highly decorated Bible scholar there is, so we have all of the theological and apologetic questions. It's not about that. The disciples, were they the most trained, knowledgeable guys that God could find as Jesus is walking around the earth and picking them to join him and be? No. They were probably some of the worst. (laughs) And praise God, because that gives us all hope. He can use anybody willing to follow him. We are ambassadors, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5. And then he just straight up says, so go into all the world. The Great Commission. And that we are to pray that God would send us and send others. As Christ instructs those in Matthew 9. I'd like to walk through, if you would permit me, a quick how-to. All right? So unless you're asleep or you're tuned out at this point or whatever, we will all walk out of this room together with a baseline knowledge. And every situation is different. This is not a formula. This is not about getting a, I led somebody to Christ notch on my Bible. This is about, do we truly love others as God loves us, as he instructs us to do the great commandment, the great commission, the GC squared life, as we've been talking about for the last year plus, do we truly love others as he calls us to? Do I really care about their soul and where they're going to spend eternity? That's what it boils down to. And there's some tools out there to help us, but the, the big tool that I'm going to share you, with you today, I've not used it once. And I've had it on my phone for a year and a half. But it's there. Should the, operation, should the situation occur that it makes sense to use it, okay? But if nothing else, it's something to help remind us how we can be knowledgeable and what we need to be knowledgeable and answer questions. So the big how of this is really just two things. The two things that Christ asked of his disciples, the two things that the captain of the ship was asking Jonah to do, (laughs) be alert and pray. Be alert and pray. I had a situation through a phone call this last week. I managed some rental properties on the side. I don't own the properties. I just get the opportunity to manage them. And so this gentleman is wanting to rent this house in Bentonville. And he hadn't seen it. He's doing it all through online. And so I finally have the opportunity to talk to him one-on-one. And we're talking, and he's a business owner, and he's doing some business with Walmart, and he needed a place to stay two or three weeks a month during this next year as he's finalizing some of the transactions and details of this. And so we're talking on the phone, and I'm like, okay, Lord, is there a way? I've never seen this guy's face. I've never met this guy. I've got his signatures. I've got his money. You know, (laughs) the deal's a done deal. I've done all the background check stuff. But is there a way that I could share the gospel or open that door, Lord? 
Let me be available. So I prayed that as I'm talking to this guy. And so we're talking along, and he's talking about work ethics and working hard and, and different things like that. And so I'm like, you know, you're exactly right, sir. You know, we, we reap what we sow. You know, it's not just about karma or good luck or whatever. It's about reaping what we sow. Throwing out a biblical truth, see if he bit. He didn't bit. He didn't, he didn't bit. He didn't bite. <laughs> he didn't bite, and that's okay. I haven't met him face to face. This is the first time I've talked to him audibly, but there was a seed that was planted. And I said, all right, thank you, Lord. Go ahead, give me another opportunity with this guy over the next year. Well, oddly enough, I made a mistake in the lease and I got an email late last night. <laughs> He's not supposed to have a washer and dryer in his unit. I used a template from another lease. And it does have a washer and dryer. So he's like, hey, the house is perfect. It's everything you said, only there's not a washer and dryer. And the lease clearly says there is one. And so now I have the opportunity to try to get out of that or to make it right. And it actually might mean me writing a check for a washer and dryer out of my personal, our personal money to make it right. And I'm going to trust, I'm going to choose to trust God that he's going to provide for that and make that happen. And it can be an example and a witness. And Lord, more importantly than me having to buy a washer and dryer, maybe I can share the gospel with this guy in the process. We heard a speaker Friday night talking about the eternal return on investment. Five or six hundred dollars for a washing and dryer is nothing compared to that eternal return on investment. That's just one example, one way. You guys have heard Tony share how he's, he travels, he gets in the cab and, or the Uber driver, and he's like, Lord, let me have an opportunity in a conversation here. And I love hearing those stories. Every trip, I'm like, all right, Tony, tell me about this one. Was there somebody you got to have that conversation with? Gary was sharing with us about a guy he knew at the golf course. And I say this not to toot, any of our horns, but to say this is a part of our lives and our conversations because it's important to God, so it's important to us. And I want you to know we're not asking you to do anything that we are not also wanting to do and attempting to do ourselves. So here's the tool. Maybe some of you have already come across it. This is a free app, okay? You can get it on your tablet, your iPad, your Android, whatever. This is a free app. And it's going to look exactly like the next slides as you go. You just swipe and the next thing comes up, okay? It's very simple. It's very effective. And again, it's a tool, not a formula. This is not something that, like I said, I've had it on my phone for a year and a half. I read the book about it. There's a pastor out of Florida. It's a great book. I recommend it. But like I said, I've had the opportunity to share the gospel several times in a year and a half. But I've not used this once. But it's a tool is there to use if you need it, okay? So I wanted to show it to you. More importantly, I want to walk you through the principles behind it, okay? The biggest two things are this, though, is building a relationship with somebody. Not to evangelize them, but to love them, okay? We're not trying to sell them a car. <laughs> if you look at... If you look at it that way and you go, Christ's big spill 
an evangelistic message was this. Hey, take up your cross and follow me. Pick up the instrument of death because that's what it's going to be like and follow me. That's not a good sales pitch. John, you wouldn't want that guy working for you, would you? No. No, you're not going to get many canoes rented that way. (laughs) But he was honest. And if you look at his life in Scripture, he follows it up with, and I will be with you always. I will be there. I will give you the words when you need them. I will provide peace and comfort and joy that you can never, that will never end. There is an eternity where we are without pain and suffering to look forward to as your reward. So, building the relationships and listening to them. So I'm going to brag on my wife for a second. She didn't know I was going to do this. So I was traveling last week with one of my other sons, and she and my other boys were like, hey, they're getting to go do something great. We're going to go do something great. So they went out to eat. Um, and at the restaurant, they're talking, and, the, and there was something visibly wrong to my wife with the waitress that was helping him. That you can tell when somebody's having a bad day, can't you? Because we've had bad days. She's observing. And she's like, and she's just listening, just asking her questions, different things as it goes on, and clearly just not getting a whole lot of the story. And my wife just felt compelled to kind of follow up to the cash register and, and on the way out and different things and just said, you know, it really looks like things could be tough for you. Would you care if I just prayed for you? And she just melted. And come to find out, her kid was having some really hard life and death things going on, surgeries, and didn't know how it was going to work out, and experiencing the trauma of this and going through that and different things. And she just said, I'd just like to pray for you. And so she was able to pray for her. And come to find out, the lady was involved in a church and her pastor had been over to visit her and her husband and her kid and pray over her kid and stuff. So, praise God. Was that a waste? How long did that take? Five minutes of our lives? How blessed do you think that waitress was to have to go to work that day and be away from her kid because she needed the money. And yet at work, unbeknownst to her, she'd run into somebody who was going to pray for her. What a blessing that can be. It's listening. It's being alert. It's praying. Okay, now to the tool. So, go ahead and go to the next slide. All right, so you open it up. I've got love and listen to remind us the whole time. Okay, we're going to love and we're going to listen. That's premise of everything, loving and listening. So you open up the app and it says God's design. All right? Now, it doesn't have all these notes. It does in the app. My slides do not. If you touch on God's design, it lists God's design, His purpose. It lists verse and the reason and what God's design means, that God created the world. He created it to be a perfect. He created that we wouldn't have to go through death. That's why it hurts. That's why it hurts when we lose people we love. He created us to not have to go through that. That wasn't his purpose and his design from the beginning, but it was sin. So swipe it, sin. 
comes up. Sin is why it's not that way. All right? And there's scriptures, Romans 3.23, as you can imagine. Romans 6.23, if you're familiar with those verses. Sin is when we selfishly do things our way and for ourselves. God has to have a consequence for those sins. Praise God he does. Praise God there are consequences for sins, right? Because if somebody hurts somebody we love, we want there to be consequences for that. We have that inside us because that's how God created and designed us. That's part of his nature. And we swipe again. There's brokenness. That's Romans 1.25 and Proverbs 14.12 where there is sin, there is brokenness. Because of sin, there is brokenness. It's a broken world. We see this in our own lives. We see this on the news. We see this all around us every single day. We try to fill up purpose and meaning. We try to find a solution to the sin and this brokenness through many other identities, idols, relationships, careers, money, entertainment, drugs, alcohol, sex. We see that everywhere, don't we? The remedy. Swipe. The gospel. John 3.16, Colossians 2.14. The paycheck that we receive for our sin is what? When we sin, our paycheck is death. The only currency strong enough to pay off our debt is the birth and life and death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who's the only perfect payment. Swipe again. We repent and we believe. And there's verses there. We must admit our brokenness and our sin. We must admit that we're not able to fix and save ourselves. Has anybody tried to? I have. I get messed up and forget. And even though I know who I am, I know who he is. And I have the role of teaching here and being your pastor. There are days and moments that I forget this. So if you think you're the only one in the room, I'm calling you out and saying you're not alone. We forget this. We must ask God to forgive us. He has through the cross. It's not about our works. It's about him. You swipe again. After accepting and receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, our purpose in life becomes crystal clear. To recover that which was broken and pursue him. The recovering part is loving God, loving others, and the Great Commission. Pursuing him is the loving God part. Philippians 2.13, Ephesians 10, Matthew 22, Matthew 28, Great Commandment, Great Commission. Effective tool. It's not going to work for every single situation every time. But this is free. And you can now have it on your phone, your tablet. I would wager that the majority of us in this room don't leave home without our phone. In fact, most of us probably go to the bathroom with it. Nasty, but we do. (laughs) So as we close out, let me help us make sure that we settle in on the key elements of this. We need to be alert. We need to be alert. We don't need to be down and the belly of the ship motel sleep like Jonah. 
We need to be alert. We don't need, God forbid, that an unbeliever has to come shake us awake and say, get up and pray. I am dying. And we have the answer. Let's make that introduction. Let's make that introduction. I mean, this banquet we were at Friday night, there was a line of people to meet the CEO of Hobby Lobby. He has a different, you know, and if he's your best friend at this banquet, you're like wanting all the people that you know, that knows you, you're like wanting them all to come up so you can introduce them, right? Because he's your friend. And everybody knows him and wants to meet him. (laughs) Hey, this is my buddy. Right? We would do that with our hero here on earth. We would gladly introduce him to everybody we know. And yet, we are quiet. We are quiet about our Savior who paid everything for our souls, who loves us more than any human could. We need to be alert. We were and are undeserving of our salvation. Why would we not share this unbelievable gift with others? And listen, it's not on us. Our job is to plant the seed. It's not on us if they choose to reject it or accept it. It's not on us. That's up to the Holy Spirit and His continued work. We are obviously welcome to continue praying, to continue loving them, keep being their friend. I've heard of a story of a guy who was a Muslim. It took a friend of his for three and a half years focusing mostly on being his friend, sharing about Christ as it came up and he was able. Three and a half years. And then you know how the guy got saved? God came to him in a dream. (laughs) Came to him in a dream. And it's like all of a sudden everything his friend had been saying just went... (laughs) Fell on the floor in the hotel room on his face and accepted Christ. Praise God. Did his friend felt like he'd wasted three and a half years of his life? No, he had a friend. We can be friends with those who don't know Jesus. We should be. It doesn't mean we go and do all the things they do, obviously. But we should be friends. We are not meant to be hermits or monks. We need to also constantly be in prayer, as Christ said to his disciples, to avoid temptation. Unlike Jonah, pray that God would send us and send more harvesters. And we're all on the hook for this. If you're a believer, you are on the hook. And it's not out of duty, but out of love for the one who saved us and out of love for the, those he created who do not yet know him. If you are in the other category that I mentioned of the two categories here this morning, if you do not know him as your Savior, the gospel's been shared and presented 
this morning as, as my hope and my prayer and my desire and effort and Gary's and Tony's and whoever shares the teaching platform up here. It's our desire that any time any one of us or a guest speaks that it is shared. But this morning, I want to make sure that you know that I'm available to talk to after. If you've got more questions about this, Tony, who's going to lead us through communion, will also be. Gary, who led us through announcements, is also available. Kurt, in the back, is also available. Miss Nancy, in the back, would you raise your hand if you'd rather speak with a lady? There's other ladies in the room. I'm not going to call you out because I didn't get your permission, but I know would as well, and I can direct you to them if you want. I want you to know my Savior. I want you to know the answer and the solution to the storms of life. And as some of you know, there's been a lot lately. In our family's life, in your lives, there's been a lot. And as Kurt was sharing this morning, when the waves keep pounding you in the face and you're, you're trying to catch your breath between them and you just feel like you're out of sync, He's still there and he's still good. He gives us that hope and that place. So don't delay. Quit trying to fix it on your own through alcohol, drugs, entertainment, career, money, relationships and humans that are going to let you down. We will. (laughs) We're a mess. Our heart is not to. But would you please... Be open to his loving desire to know you. Tony, if you want to come up, I'll uh, I'll close in prayer in my time. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. The reminder of how you you can use the circumstances and the storms of life You can use unbelievers unbelievers in our life like you did in Jonas to bring us to a place of realization and understanding that we need to turn back to you. Lord, that you have such a strong desire and love for each one of us and it's not just us, it's every human being alive. That's why life matters, whether you're just conceived or you're in your final days. Life matters. And Lord, we love you best and we love others best by sharing you with them. That we would be alert, Lord, that we would pray diligently about opportunities to do that. And you would bless And Father, if there is anybody here this morning who does not yet know you, God, please whisper in their ear your love for them, your desire to be in a relationship with them, the grace that you have to offer and share for them. Nothing having to do with what they've done, not at all, but because of everything that you've done. In your name, Father God, amen.